Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Today we're in the third week of a little series um, on um, Second Chronicles, and we pushed pause um, on the book of Ephesians. And we're going to pick that back up here in um, September, but I just really felt a call from the Lord to dig into 2 Chronicles chapter 7, uh, verse 13 and 14 for our church. I want to read this to you today. It says this, if I shut up the heavens, this is verse 13, so that there is no rain, or if I command the locust swarms to eat up all of your crops, or if I send an epidemic among you, I want you to hear me. When I read this scripture today, I am not saying that the Lord sent this plague or this pandemic or this sickness. I do not believe that with anything in my, in my existence. I don't believe the Lord's like, you know what, I'm just going to send a plague. I don't think that. But I do believe that in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of whatever might be going on in your life, God can bring about good for those who are called according to his purpose if we will allow him to do that. And I believe that God will bring out good of this if we will allow him. But this, this verse says, if he sends an epidemic among us. When I read that, I'm thinking pandemic. I'm thinking been there, done that. How many of you, we've all bought the t-shirts, you know? I mean, my family, we were at Silver Dollar City on Friday wearing a mask. I said I would never go to any theme park with a mask on and because uh, I get so hot, I can't breathe. The mask gets all in my mouth. I'm uncomfortable. My boys are making me mad because they're saying this is stupid and we're just trying to follow the laws and not get kicked out of theme parks, you know, and all this stuff. I'm standing there and Tasha just looks at me. She goes, I never thought we would be doing this in America, you know? I mean, it's just so crazy. It's crazy times for all of us. But listen to what this verse says next. Then, after the epidemic, after the pandemic, after the sickness, after the pain, after the sorrow, after the suffering, after the shutting down of governments, after the fear, after, you fill in the blanks, after that. So something happens And then there's a transition moment, and it says, after. And it says, after all of that that you thought would never happen, happens. And it says, if my people, who are called by my name, if my people. It says, if they will humble themselves and pray, and search for me, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will hear. I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. The big question that we are asking in this series, the big question that the Lord started asking of me is, are you going to answer the if? Are you going to humble yourself? Are you going to pray? Are you going to search for God? Are we going to turn from our wicked, sinful ways? Are we going to deny ourselves daily and pick up our cross? Are we going to be the body of Christ that he's called us to be? Are we going to be victorious Christians? Or are we going to continue to be who the church has been ineffective for so many years? Who are we going to be? Are we going to go all in? Because here's what he says, if we do, if we'll go all in, he will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sins and he will heal our land. And I don't know about you, but I want that. I want God to move in my country. 
I want God to heal racial tension. I want God to bridge the gap between different races and different colors and different ages and different demographics. I want us to, I want God to come in and blend and move. I want it to be God. I want revival in America. I want an awakening. I want it right here in Republic, Missouri. I want it in Marshfield. I want it right here at Destiny Church. But in order for that to happen, we have to answer the if. We can't continue to do life and to do ministry and to do church the way we've been doing it and expect God to move. I'm just telling you, if your goal is to come in and check off the church box, I think God's done with that. I don't, as I said, God did not send the pandemic, but God says, in this pandemic, I'm done with the church doing like they've been doing it. It's time to change. It's time to change course. We have to answer the if. And before I dive into the challenge that the Lord put in my heart for today, I want to take a moment and talk with you from my heart. I want to share something with you. I said this in week one of this series. And I want to reiterate, reiterate it today. I, I, I don't take this message or this challenge from God lightly. Um, in fact, I probably feel more serious about what I'm preaching and what the Lord is doing in our church than at any point in the history of our church. I feel very serious about this. I would say in my 25 years of ministry, I've never felt anything more serious and urgent than this. Um, I've done quite a lot of reflecting since July 27th when the Lord started downloading this message on my heart. Honestly, I've done more reflecting and repenting and praying that I have in quite some time. I've found myself just driving with my radio off and just praying. I found myself even honestly just turning off even worship music and just sitting in silence and just praying and asking the Lord to speak. Because I know the urgency with which I feel like the Lord is dealing with me something personally. And I knew before I could stand up here to this church, I had to answer the if. I had to make a decision. And as I said in week one, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't take this decision that I'm making, I don't take it as just, I'm just going to say I'm doing it. It's been, it's been quite the match, the wrestling match in my soul. And I've truly been asking the Lord, I felt like the Lord's like, are you truly going to go all in? Are you willing to pay the price? And, and I had to answer that for myself. Before I could ever talk to my family about any of this, before I could ever stand and preach this as a pastor, I felt like this is something I had to deal with. And I can honestly stand here today and say to you, I'm at a point in a season of my life where I want God more than anything else in this world. I, I truthfully do and one thing I come to the conclusion of this week, and this has been a wrestling match in me for quite some time, um, I'm done trying to be in control. And if, if you know anything about me, I, I like control. Um, I'm, I'm done trying to do ministry on my own, my own power, my own ability, my own creative ideas, my own creative thoughts. And I want to be all in on all that God has called us to be. And so I say all that to even get a little bit more honest with something that I've really feel like the Lord asked me to share with you today. I was, um, earlier this week, I was taking a prayer walk 
And I just felt the Lord start speaking to me, and I had my phone on me, and was walking the dog, and, and I just started talking into my phone of what I felt like the Lord was saying to me. And it was out of that that I want to share a few things with you before I challenge you concerning the next thing in Second Chronicles. Um, I said it week one, but this is not a message that I've put together to stir up emotions. I'm not trying to stir your emotions. I'm not trying to stir anything. This is truly what I feel like a message from God for the body of Christ, but I really feel that from Destiny Church. I've considered every angle of this message as I've looked at it. And I want you to know, kind of, you you know, I've talked about this wrestling match. I want you to understand why there's been a wrestling match for me. I don't want you to think that my pastor's a heathen and he's wrestling with God. I want you to understand why, why there's been a wrestling match in my soul of do I want to go all in. Um, why I consider this message to be so challenging in my heart. Uh, because over the last five years, Tasha and I have found ourselves um, in a place like we've never known. Um, we found ourselves very tired and we found ourselves questioning ministry. It's a very task. Uh, It's a very heavy task. Ministry is a very heavy task. It's very challenging. I remember when I was a kid and I went to my dad and said, I feel like the Lord called me into ministry. And my dad said, are you sure? And I said, yes. And he said, he said, no. He said, could you consider yourself doing anything else but this? And I said, no. And he said, but if you can, he said, if you can see yourself doing anything else, do that. And I want you to hear me. When I say that ministry is challenging and heavy, I don't take away anything you do. I'm not saying that what I do is heavier than what you do. I, I would never put myself in that place to say that. Um, but this is, ministry is a very challenging and heavy task. And I'll tell you, I've been in ministry 25 years. I don't feel that old. Um, some days, some days I feel like I've been in it for 50, but this last five years has been the most difficult five years of ministry I've ever experienced in my life Uh, on me personally, um, on my marriage, on my family and on this church. And again, I'm telling you all these things so you can understand why the, the urgency of this message. I want you to understand where I'm coming from when I stand up here and preach this message so you can feel the urgency in your heart, okay? I want you to feel that. These last five years, I've contemplated things I never in my life thought I'd contemplate. You've heard me share my story, not going into it. When you find yourself contemplating suicide, you know you're in a low place. Um, One thing I never thought I would contemplate is I truly contemplated, Tasha and I both, on leaving the ministry. Um, you, don't, you guys don't know how many times over the last five years Tosh and I have had family meetings with ourselves and even a few with our kids, and we said we think we're going to leave the ministry um, because of the pain and the exhaustion of what we were feeling. Um, I've even, I even looked into buying a business. Um, I, I wanted to buy a business in the mountains. Uh, I had the boys convinced I wanted to buy a business in the mountains. I wanted to buy a t-shirt shop. I wanted something that was not going to exert anything mentally. But it was going to be where I could buy this business. And any day I felt like snow skiing, I could put clothes on the sign and go to the mountains 
and come back. Okay, and Tasha could say, you need to make money. Go make some money so I could go play again. That was literally what was happening, and Tasha did not like my idea. But I thought it was good, and the boys thought it was pretty good too. But I thought, you know what? I just want to go to church like everybody else. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, and I don't say this to... uh, to sound harsh or mean, but I wanted to be able to just to go to church when I felt like going to church like a lot of you do. I did, just being honest. And I promise I'm going somewhere with this because I want you to understand the urgency. I promise. Um, in, order to, in order for you to sense the urgency, I feel like you have to know what's been going on in my world. I know that ministry is never going to be easy because we have a call of God on our life. Um, And the enemy, when you have a call of God on your life or when you have a call of God on your marriage or a call of God on your church, the enemy is not going to lay down and say, well, they have a call. I can't do anything about it. No, the enemy is going to throw hell in your face. And these last five years, Tasha and I and our family, we've had hell thrown in our face. But we do, we have a call on, I have a call on my life. I've known it since I was about 12 years old. It's the first time I felt the Lord tell me I had a call in my life. Tasha, same thing. She knew as a little girl that the Lord had called her. Um, Our two oldest kids, Mariah and Makai, both, since they were little, have said they have a call of God on their life. And I've told my kids, if you could do anything else in the world, please do it. I've known not only do we have a call on me, not only does Tasha have a call, not only do we have a call on us as a couple, as a family, we have a call on this church. And the truth is, here's what the Lord's been telling me, Chad, you haven't come anywhere near fulfilling the call on your life or on this church. And that's messed with me. And I've repented of that. But very specifically, these last five years, They have caused me some pain because I'll tell you, the first 10 years, we had some ups and downs as a church the first 10 years like every church has, but the first 10 years of Destiny Church, if I would look back and say, I mean, it was like, it was like awesome. People were asking us what we were doing to be successful and I had, I didn't, to steal, I I love Anthony and Johnny and one of the things I love most about Anthony is he has, he has a statement that has now become one of mine. He says, I don't have a fat clue. I love that. I don't know what, I don't really know what it means, but that's something I like to use now. I don't have a fat clue. I, don't, I would tell people, I don't have a clue what we're doing. I just know God's doing something. And we saw tremendous growth, tremendous favor in the city, tremendous favor in the area. But these last five years, Destiny Church, I'm just going to tell you, they've been hell. Hell on earth. Many days I didn't want to get out of bed. I've lost several friends the last five years. Due to ministry. I've lost people on this staff that I never thought I would lose on this staff. And I hope you can hear my heart today and, and I'm not trying to stir any emotions or anything. I just, I want you to, I really want you to understand why I've wrestled with this challenge to go all in. Because it was like, I was, what, what I was telling the Lord, Lord, when I went all in, I got hit with Hell. And I'm not sure I have it in me to do that again. I don't know that I have another five years in me like that. I lost several friends. Tasha lost friends. We've lost, we've lost staff members that we never thought would walk away. 
I mean, how many churches can stand up here and say you lost a campus? I mean, we lost a campus. It's been hell. I fought hell in my mind. We fought hell in our marriage. They talk about, you know, and I'm not trying to get anything, any emotion here, but I mean, they talk about the first year of marriage is hardest. Our last five years have been some hellish years, even on our family. We fought hell as a church. I'll tell you, if the first five years had been like the last five years, we never would have made it. But we did make it the first five years. And I remember when we moved into this city and I started talking to people about planting a church in Republic, Missouri, people from Republic would tell me it'll never make it. That's encouraging. Lord told you to go to a city and people say, oh yeah, you'll never make it. Well, thank you. But no, they, here's what they would tell us. They'd say, they would say to me, and they, I think they were trying to be good, honest people, and they'd say, no, you don't want to go there. That's where churches go to die. That's where pastors go to die. That's where pastors go to be out of the ministry. That's where churches split. You don't want to go there. And I remember thinking, okay, maybe we're not supposed to be here. But I remember in one of those moments, the Lord's like, no, I called you here. And here's what the Lord told me. He said, I called you to Republic to break down strongholds that have been, been there for too long. And he said, somebody has to go first, and it's you. And we broke through. And now I look and there's, I know in the last couple of years, there's been plant, churches that have planted and they've made it. And I don't say that's all because of us, but I do believe the Lord said, you have to go first so other people can make it. The Lord told me not only that, this church is going, this church is going to break through strongholds where this city couldn't have businesses. And now look at the city growing. And again, I don't say it's all on Destiny Church or all on me, but I, or on us, but I do believe the Lord said, I'm going to use you to break down strongholds. And so we did that. The first five years were amazing. We made it. The last five years, though, were tough. But as I was sitting in my office last night, I just heard the Lord say, but you made it. And we here, we're here. We're still standing, and not only are we still standing, as I get to the message, I want you to say I'm as energized and passionate about our church as ever before, but I really feel a new and renewed vigor and challenge to be the church he called us to be back in the beginning. I think the reason the last five years were hell on earth is not only because of the call, but I think some of the reason the last five years were hell on earth is because we tried to be a church that we were never called to be. See, we were called to be a church of influence in this region. We were called to be a church of revival. We were called to be a church of prayer. We were called to be a church of worship. We were called to be a church that was all about his presence. We were called to be a church of hope and healing. A church that leads the way not only in a city, not only in a state, not only in a nation, but in a globe. We were called to be a church that's united. We were called to be a church that's full of community. We were called to be a strong church, a New Testament church. So Tosh and I, along with our family... We made a decision that we have not taken lightly, but we made a decision that we are going to do this. We are going to go all in. And I've wrestled with that because I was like, Lord, I I told him, I was walking through this building last night, and I still, every day, I wrestle with this. And I said, Lord, can you just promise me that the next five are going to be better than the last five? And crickets. Don't you love when the Lord gives you crickets? It's like, chirp, chirp. It's like, all right, nothing. We're going to be all that God's called us to be. And we would love for nothing more than for you to go on this journey with us. 
But I've been in ministry 25 years, and one of the things I've learned is I, I, is I can't be naive to think just because I offer a challenge, people are going to follow. I hope that everybody would join us in this journey, but I know that some people, some of you, you just want to go to church and check off the box that you did it. Can I just tell you, I'm concerned for you. If you're not going to go all in on God and go all in on your faith, I'm concerned for you. Your faith is not going to remain strong. I'm concerned if you just want to play church games and slip into heaven. I'm concerned that you may never make it. That's just from my heart as your pastor. And this is your choice. You can do what you want to do. But Tosh and I and our staff, we're going to lead the way. We're going to answer the if. If you want to take the journey with us, great. If you don't, that's your choice. We love you. And you can continue to hang out here all you want to. But we're going to start running at a pretty fast pace. And it's going to be a decision you're going to have to make to keep up. Okay? So I felt like before I could challenge you with this next part, I had to kind of let you know why I've been saying I'm wrestling with this challenge. So let's look back at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Actually, pick it up in verse 14. It says, If my people will humble themselves and pray and search for me and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Last week, we talked about pride. If you missed last week, you missed it. There's no opportunity to go back and watch it because we didn't have live stream available at our outdoor service. Today, I want to talk with you via live stream or via in the room, or if you watch it later this week, I want to talk with you about prayer. And I want to read to you from Acts chapter 12. I'm going to read about, I'm going to read several verses to you. I'm just going to give you a challenge and then we're going to pray. But Acts chapter 12 is a powerful story about prayer. And I believe that this is the type of prayers that God wants to bring about in Destiny Church. Let's read it. Verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1. King Herod got it into his head to go after some of the church members. He murdered James, John's brother. And when he saw how much it raised his popularity rating with the Jews, he arrested Peter. All of this during Passover week. Mind you, and he had him thrown into jail, putting four squads of four soldiers, each to guard him. He was planning a public lynching after Passover. All the time that Peter was under heavy guard in the jailhouse, I want you to hear this, the church prayed for him most strenuously. I want you to hear that. I want you to capture that. Peter was in a situation this seemed hopeless. He seemed helpless. There was no way out. But the church prayed strenuously, vigorously, passionately. Then the time came for Herod to bring him out for the kill. That night, even though shackled to two soldiers, one on either side, Peter slept like a baby. Another thing can I tell you, when prayer is at the center of your life, you will find yourself sleeping through storms. Why? Because prayer brings peace. Prayer. 
Peter is in a situation that says, that night, even though shackled to two soldiers, one on either side, Peter slept like a baby. And there were even guards at the door keeping their eye on the place. Herod was not taking chances. How many know the devil doesn't take chances, but when God decides to intervene, it doesn't matter how many soldiers are on guard or looking at you. If God wants to set you free, you will be free. That's what we see happening here. In verse 7, pick it up, it says, Suddenly there was an angel at his sight and light flooding the room. The angel shook Peter and said, Get up! Hurry! And the handcuffs fell off his rest. And I prophetically right now by the power of God declare that some of you are going to have chains begin to fall off of you as we pray. Some of you have had chains on your marriage and on your finances for too long. And listen, you've been in a church that's made prayer a part of what we do, but now prayer is going to be all that we do. It's going to be centered around prayer. Prayer breaks chains. All right? So we see this happening. The angel said, get dressed, put on your shoes. Peter did it. Then grab your coat and let's get out of here. Peter followed him but didn't really believe it was an angel. He thought he was dreaming. <laughs> Past the first guard and then the second that came to the iron gate that led in the city. It swung open before them on its own and they were out of the street free as the breeze. At the first intersection, the angel left going his own way. That's when Peter realized it wasn't a dream. I can't believe it. This really happened. The master sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's vicious little production and the spectacle that the Jewish mob was looking forward to. Listen to me. What is happening in our nation right now is a spectacle. I want you to hear me. What is happening, and I'm not, this, is not a political, this is not political or anything. What is happening in our streets, what is happening on the news media, what's happening across this nation. I'm not talking about any other country. What's happening in America is a spectacle, and the enemy is showing his hand. But I do believe as the church prays, as the church digs in, as the church sets our anchor, God will, will unveil what has been happening, and the church will rise victorious. I believe that with all of my heart. Am I saying we won't face hard times? No, we're going to go through hell. Mark my words. We will go through hell as a church. We will walk through it, but we will be victorious because this is nothing more than a spectacle by the enemy. Still shaking his head, amazed, he went to Mary's house, the Mary who was John Mark's mother. The house was packed with, what does it say? What does it say? What were they doing? Pray. Were they having a social gathering? No. Were they calling it church and just marking it off the list? No, they were doing battle. They were praying. They were praying. When he knocked on the door to the courtyard, a young woman named Rhoda came to see who it was. But when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so excited and eager to tell everyone that Peter was there, she forgot to open the door and she left him standing on the streets. <laughs> but listen to this. Even in the midst of a praying church, there can still be a lack of faith. But they wouldn't believe her dismissing her, dismissing the report, you're crazy. <laughs> listen, some of you, the Lord's going to start doing things in your life and you're going to start calling things out and people are going to call you crazy, but keep praying. They still wouldn't believe her. She's stuck by her story. They still wouldn't believe her. It must be his angel. All this time, Peter's standing on the street. Hello, it's me. I feel the need to tell us today. Some of us are going to pray things, and they're going to shock us when they happen. Verse 16 says, they finally opened the door, and they saw him, and they went wild. 
Peter put his hands up, calmed them down. He described how Jesus got him out of jail and said, tell James and the brothers what's happened. He left them and went off to another place. Okay? So I want to read that to you. And here's what I want you to see from this passage of Scripture. Notice the church doesn't try to control the situation. What do you mean by that, Pastor Chad? I want you to notice the church doesn't riot. The church didn't storm Herod's temple and demand Peter's release. The church didn't go to the jailhouse and stand outside with signs, picketing, and marching around that. I want you to hear me. The church did none of that. The church didn't try to start a social media campaign and hashtag it, set him free. The church didn't try to boycott something. The church didn't try to play all those games. What did the church do? What'd they do? Did they pick it? Did they riot? Did they storm somebody's temple and demand? No. What'd they do? They prayed. They prayed earnestly. They prayed viciously. They prayed violently. They prayed passionately. They prayed. The Bible doesn't say in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if my people complain, I'll do something. It doesn't say if my people riot, I'll do something. It doesn't say if they storm the city gates and demand injustice be solved on their behalf. No, it says if they pray. If they pray. I think we've forgotten how to pray. Where have all the prayer warriors gone? Where have the saints of the church gone that you knew they were praying? Where are they in the American church today? Where are the intercessors? Where are the people that you know you've been called to pray? Listen, here's what the Lord's been telling me. The Lord's been speaking to me about Ezekiel chapter 33, about watchmen on the walls. I think prayer warriors are watchmen on the walls. And I think the walls have been vacant. Because prayer warriors, watchmen, have got off the wall. And we're wondering, why is the enemy attacking the church? Why are we facing hell that we're facing? Why is the enemy winning and the church losing? Because people aren't on their spots on the wall. And the enemy is coming through into your family, into your home, uncontested. And this week I've repented of that. Church, the Bible says... If my people pray, then I'll move. Listen, prayer can't be our last resort when we've tried to fix it on our own. Prayer can't be the option when we like, okay, I'm all out of options. Prayer has to be our only option. Prayer has to be our first option. Prayer has to be the first thing we go to, not the last thing we go to. Prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Destiny Church, we are called to be a church of prayer. We are called to riot. And listen, if, if you've been out picketing or trying, listen, I, I'm not coming against you. I'm just telling you that's not what we're called to. I can't find it anywhere in Scripture. But I can see where the church is called to be a place of prayer. We aren't called to start social media campaigns. We aren't called to complain all over the place about the government. We aren't called to do those things. What are we called to do? We're called to pray. Your complaining is not going to stop people from doing what they're doing, but prayer will. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Why does the church pray? Because when we pray, we know that God moves. 
We know that when we pray, Jesus heals. We know that when we pray, Jesus saves. We know that when we pray, Jesus delivers. Prayer changes things. Prayer. Last week I told you pride diminishes. This week I want to tell you prayer delivers. Pride diminishes us. Prayer delivers us. The answer for our nation right now is not pride. The answer for our nation, the answer for your family that is in disarray, the answer for this city, the answer for your situation, the answer for our schools is prayer. And the New Testament church we see here in the book of Acts, they understood the power of prayer and they prayed. And as they prayed, miracles happened. And listen to me. If we want to see God move in our church, if you want to see God move in your family, if you want to see God move in your school, if you want to see God move in your city, if you want to see God move in our elections and in our country, we're going to have to pray. We're going to have to do this. Jesus. I don't have all the answers, but you do. We're going to have to get on our knees. And we're going to have to pray. And we're going to have to seek his face. And we're going to have to turn from our wicked, sinful ways. And we're going to have to say, God, move. Listen, and when I say pray, I'm not praying about, I'm not out talking about now I lay me down to sleep prayers. I'm not talking about, Lord, bless this meal type prayers. I'm not talking about, oh, oh, Lord, I forgot to study for this test. Please help me get a C. You know, I'm not discounting those. Some of you guys, you need those prayers because you don't study. Whatever. But I, I'm not discounting those prayers. But listen, if we're going to see God move on our behalf, we're going to have to give a, get a hold of heaven. We're going to have to pray prayers that move heaven. We're going to have to pray prayers like we see in the book of James. Listen to what it says here in James chapter 5. The prayer of a person living right with God is something, is something powerful to be reckoned with. Listen, Elijah, for instance, human just like you and me, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain. And guess what? It didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. And the showers came, and everything started growing again. Destiny Church, let me tell you what I'm looking for as I close. Better yet, let me, let me check that. Let me tell you what God's looking for. God's looking for some men and women who will rise up and become prayer warriors. God's looking for some students. You just stood to your feet a minute ago. You're going back to the greatest mission field this world knows, public schools. I want to be a missionary. I want to be a missionary. I want to go to Africa. I want to go to China. I want to go here. No, go to your school. I think there's more sin in our schools than anywhere in the world. God's looking for students. He's looking for some husbands. He's looking for some wives. He's looking for some grandparents who will be like Isaiah and say, here am I, use me. Send me. Use me, I'll get on the wall. I'll get on the wall. He's looking for some watchmen who've put down their swords. You've put down your, your megaphone and you've, and you've kind of slacked on your duty. He's looking for some watchmen who will get back on the walls and say, I'll get back on my spot. He's looking for some new watchmen who say, you know what, I feel like the Lord's telling me to get on a wall. He's looking for some men and women who will stand on the gap and say, you can count on me. I'll tell you what I'm looking for as a pastor. I'm, I want to know, who are my prayer warriors? Who's got my back? Who's praying at midnight? 
I want to know, when I'm walking through something as your pastor, when I'm digging through and trying to find an answer from the Lord, who can I call on? Who can I rely on that I know beyond the shadow of a doubt? They're grabbing a hold of the altars and they're saying, I hear what God is saying. I'm looking for some men and women who will stand on the gap. I'm looking for some men and women who will pray some bold, dangerous, courageous prayers. Some prayers like Elijah prayed. Some prayers like the New Testament church prayed. Some prayers like Martin Luther prayed. Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation of the church in the 1500s, he had a friend by the name of Frederick Myconius. Myconius helped Martin Luther. He was like his personal assistant. And he helped him to reform the church. And this wasn't just a friend to Martin Luther. He was like his armor bearer. He was like the guy that went to battle with Luther, would stand by his side. When Luther knew that he had to dig deep in prayer, Myconius was that guy that was with him. Well, Myconius fell tremendously sick. And there was a time when he and Luther were in separate places and Myconius, they told him he's dying, he's on his deathbed. And so he penned a letter to Luther. And in his letter, he said, I'm dying and I won't see you again, my friend. Said his farewells. And Luther got that letter and Luther read that letter. And you know, Luther could have pinned back a prayer like many of us probably have prayed at one point or time in our life. Lord, if it's your will, would you heal his body? But Lord, let your will be done. And just, and listen, I understand praying the will of God. I pray the will of God all the time, but I think sometimes we need to be bold in our prayers. Joshua, in a battle, asked the Lord to cause the sun to stand still so he could continue fighting. And guess what? The sun stood still. I don't think if Joshua had said, Lord, if it be your will, I don't, I think sometimes that's our, our, it's our like key to, well, it just wasn't God's will. My prayer was effective, just the Lord didn't want to do it. No, I think sometimes we have to be bold. And so Luther, he didn't pray, he didn't play it safe. No, Luther, listen to me. He prayed a massive, faith-filled, very specific prayer over my county. So I want you to hear what he said. He said, I command you. This is what he wrote back to him. I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. And listen to what Luther said. He said, the Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but the Lord will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying because I only seek to glorify the name of God. When I read, read that prayer this week, I was like, Lord, do that in me. Make my prayers that bold and that specific. And what's even crazier in this prayer is not only was Luther's prayer bold, Myconius had lost the ability to speak. He was hours from his deathbed and somebody handed him that letter and he began to read that letter. Listen to this. It engaged his faith and miraculously and supernaturally he was healed. He lived six years later. He lived six more years and guess what happened? You know when he died? Two months after Luther. All because some man prayed a prayer that was specific and faith-filled and he believed that with God all things were possible. And Destiny Church, I'll tell you, we need to pray specific 
faith-filled prayers because we serve a God that with him all things are possible. My prayer is that I pray things would begin to shift in the heavens. My prayer is that as you pray over your schools and over your family, that shackles would fall off of people, that chains would fall off, that lives would be set free, that marriages would be restored, that things would begin to shift in the heavens, that we would learn to pray prayers that move God and that move people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and quit praying weak, passive prayers, but if they'll begin to pray prayers that are powerful and effective like Elijah prayed, God said, I will move heaven. I will hear their prayers and I will heal their land. Destiny Church, 10.07, I went long, but I'm done playing church games. me if you're here today you say Pastor Chad I'm ready to be a prayer warrior I'm done playing church games I'm ready to pray if you're in the living room or wherever you might be on a vacation today before you start back to school wherever you are if you're watching online if you're in this room if you're watching this week I want you to respond to this if you say, Pastor Chad, I'm all in. And I'm ready to be a prayer warrior and get on the wall. I'm ready to stand in the gap. Stand to your feet now. I'm ready to take my place. Listen, if two of us had stood and said, we'll do it, we could move mountains. One puts a thousand to flight. How many can we put to flight if we truly do this? I hope you wrestle with this like I've wrestled with this. I hope this isn't just an emotional thing. This is something I've been debating since July 27th when the Lord woke me up in Big Sky, Montana. And the first thing that hit my mind was if my people will humble themselves and pray. Here it is, August 24th, 23rd, whatever it is, and I'm still wrestling. But I'll stand on the wall. Will you stand on the wall? So right now, I want you, we're going to sing a couple of songs. I want you, if you mean business here, and you're done playing church games, find you a place of prayer. At your seat, in the altars, wherever it might be, at a cross. I want you to give me like I want you to give me four or five minutes here with prayer, and then what I want to do is we're calling our students in from the, from the warehouse and from downtown, and our students and our administrators and our teachers are in the building, and we're going to pray a faith-filled specific prayer over our students for this year, and we're going to release them to go and change their schools. But right now, I want you to pray a very faith-filled specific prayer for your life and for your family and then I'm going to ask those of you that want to be prayer warriors I feel like there's some of you that are called to be watchmen and you know it and I'm going to ask you to I'm going to ask you to go public with that today 
Find a place to pray. Let's worship. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you.
You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.